um, we're going to be we're going to be working through uh, this this little. Uh, we're going to be working through this message today that I feel is uh, something that's been close to my heart. Um, I today I was just uh, finishing up and preparing for this, and I just I just felt uh, something interesting happened today uh, during our luncheon. I was up presenting. Um, I was told by my sister to do it for five minutes, and I probably took more like seven. So I'll probably get chastised later. How many of you love my sister, Erin? Isn't she wonderful? I'm going to tell you a funny story about her, since it's my prerogative to use this time any way I want, OK? Erin, uh, yesterday, she kind of made a last-minute decision that she wanted me to talk. She hadn't had me plan to talk. And so she finally decided, yeah, I want you to do this section. So she told me just yesterday. But she had one caveat. She had one condition for me speaking. And she looked me square. This sums up, in a nutshell, the difference between the two of us. Are you ready for this? If you want to know what's the difference between you and Aaron, this sums up our personalities in a nutshell. I said, oh, sure, I'll do it. She looked me square in the eyes, and she said, I've got, can you do me one favor? And I thought, well, she's going to tell me stay on time, whatever. I said, yeah, sure. She said, don't make anything up. <laughs> Look, am I known for that? She said, don't make anything up. I was like, yes, ma'am. So that pretty much sums up the, our personalities. And I didn't, I, I, when we were done, I said, did I make anything up? She goes, no, it was all factual and true. Good. I want that to be that way. Um, so this is what I'm preaching. Today, when I was speaking, I, I got to a section where I was thanking a lady who had helped build a playground over there. But, but uh, I was one to kind of shower her with accolades. But she had slipped off for a moment to the bathroom. It was the only point in the hour and a half long luncheon where her name was mentioned, but she wasn't in the seat to hear it. And when I left her, I got to thinking, you know, I think I need to talk tonight about positioning ourselves. How many of you know that God can get ready to bless you, but if you're not in the position to receive it? Come on. If you're not in the, sometimes, some of us have been trying to figure out why in the world we don't, we're not seeing the promise of God fulfilled in our life, and, uh, and have been asking this, questions, this question, what do I do when it seems like God's promises aren't happening? Anybody ever asked that before? Anybody been frustrated with what in the world's going on? God, I didn't make this promise up. You did. What's the deal? Now, can you imagine that what I kind of made a joke of it because soon after I got done past that point. She came back in, and I, I re-read the entire thing, and the whole room cheered, and it was you know, one of those little kind of improv moments. But how many times have we believed God for something and prayed, or God gave us a promise, but we had not positioned ourselves, positioned our heart to actually receive the fulfillment of that promise? For many reasons. We're impatient, we're this, we're that. And we move on to the next thing, thinking that God's word is not going to come true in our life, when all along his plan is to always, and his promise is to always fulfill what he said he was going to do. This scripture, I'm going to kind of start with this. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says, For we, we are co-workers. One of the translations you might be more familiar with says, We are co-laborers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. Think about that for a moment. We are co-laborers. We're co-workers with God. 
which means that when God does something, he always has you in the equation. So if he's given you a promise, that means he's got work for you to do in that promise. Anybody excited about this? No, you're not. Don't lie. But I want to tell you this. God's promises never expire, but they're almost always conditional. Does this make sense to anybody? God's promises over your life, his blessings over your life, never expire. In other words, if you miss it, you didn't miss it. God's waiting there, ready for you to get another opportunity. It never expires, but they're oftentimes conditional, which means there is a condition to you seeing that promise fulfilled or that blessing in your life. And, and oops, sorry, I'm way ahead of myself here. So God's promises never expire. They're always conditional. They're always some part of that uh, equation that requires your involvement. And oftentimes, the condition is our participation. The condition is that we participate in seeing that promise fulfilled. Right? If God made you a promise that one day you're going to be a PhD or have a PhD, guess what? You're going to have to go apply to school. Right? You're not just going to eat potato chips on the couch, and one day God's going to drop a diploma signed by some litigious you know, or prestigious university and have that ready waiting for you on your doorstep when you get up. You're like, hey, guys, I'm a PhD now. Looky here, right? Everything that we do in life, we partner as co-laborers with God. The nice thing is, is he's willing to do a whole heck of a lot of the burden of the work for you but you still have to do something. I so often, I'm going to be very, very careful the way I say this, but I want to warn this generation. I want to kind of call it my generation, even though I'm a couple years outside of it. I want to warn this generation because I've seen a pattern begin to develop in this generation. They are, they have the, they, the, the, they call them the millennials. The millennial generation has the opportunity and has the potential to see the greatest move of God in revival on the face of the earth that we've ever seen. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, not only has it been prophesied time and time again, but this is, this is the darkest hour that the earth has ever seen in some nations, which means we have the greatest opportunity to see God's light shine. This generation has massive potential. And I love this generation before I tell you what I'm concerned with this generation about. I want to tell you what I love about this generation has this amazing ability to not just take what you tell them and go, okay, sounds good. This generation wants the real deal. They want something authentic. They, you're not going to, 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 you know, feed them a line of bull. They want the real thing. And I love it because you're never going to hook them into a relationship with God that isn't based on the reality of who he is. And when they get it, they're passionate about it. And they will carry that torch and go for it. But my concern is this. My concern has been, and it's not just in one generation. It seems to be prevalent in our culture and society. My concern is, is this. We oftentimes, especially in, in faith and, and in the Christian world, we hear God say something, and then we sit and we wait. And we continue doing the same thing in our life, expecting for God just to miraculously see or 
accomplish these promises in our life. And then we get bitter when he doesn't do it, yet we've changed nothing about our own life. You get me? It actually requires our involvement. Think about this. If I said today, God, I want you to give me a word for the congregation. Okay? But all day long, I'm just busy, 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 busy. I never actually sit down with my laptop, because that's the way I do it, and open the pages program and put my fingers on the keyboard. If I never participate, if, if I just expect for God just to go like, oh, not only did I give you a message, but I just typed it out and put it in your pages program for you, and it's all ready to go. I create a fancy slideshow for you. Just hit play, buddy. I got you covered. Oh, thank you, God. You love me so much. See, we equate God allowing us to be lazy with love. And as you parents know, letting your kid not participate or do anything is probably the worst thing that you can do for them because they need to have ownership of whatever they do. My first instruments, bass, guitar, stuff that I bought, my parents were like, hey, you know, like, you want a bass? The first one they bought, they bought for the family, and it was like $30 in a pawn shop. It was a fretless bass, not because it was made that way. Somebody ripped the frets out of it. It was red. I'll never forget it. Are we having a mass exodus, gentlemen? Are we good? We're good? Okay. Sorry, I said you guys had to do something. I don't know, but I'm going to just, just to make them feel a little bit more like they're doing something wrong. That one right there is in trouble. All right. Okay, got it. Thank you. Sorry for embarrassing you. It wasn't your fault. They've told me what's up, okay? They were selling donuts in the parking lot. I understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. You guys are great. He's like, I'm not going back up there. All right. I understand. I was wrong. I was wrong. I apologize. Forgive me, all right? Here you go, my man. <laughs> i got to move on with this or we're never going to get done, okay? This is kind of the standard excuse that I oftentimes hear when people are frustrated with, um, with where they're at. And we get this sometimes. I get this in my own life. People say, like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but nothing's happening. And the standard line that we get a lot of times from other Christians or from other believers is this. It's real simple. They oftentimes say, don't worry, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. It's going to happen. Just wait. Well, that's a line of bull. Because if all you ever do is wait, you're going to keep waiting. Right? I, I just believe in God for a raise. Well, go ask your boss for a raise. And have yourself some real good reasons of why you believe you should have a raise. Work hard enough to deserve that raise, and then go in there and lay out a, a case for why you deserve a raise. Okay? All my employees are raising their hand. Denied and denied, okay? A, B, C, D, denied, okay? Right? I want to advance in my career. Well, go, whatever you need to do to go and advance your next career, whether it's training or whether it's school or whatever it is, sign up. 
I want, I want to be a truck driver. Well, go to truck driver school. Every promise God wants to give you favor in, you've got to participate in it. Amen? Uh, this scripture, Acts 26, it says this. It says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. This is, um, th this is talking to Paul. To open their eyes. I'm sorry, not to Paul. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is Jesus talking to, uh, this, is, uh, this is being said to Paul. So Paul's being given the instructions to do this, to open their eyes in order for them to turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now listen, I want to just show you this for a moment. Paul's being asked to teach the saints two things. This is very interesting. He's being asked to teach them how to be forgiven and how to receive an inheritance or blessings. He's being tasked as an apostle to teach believers how to be forgiven. Anybody think that how to be forgiven is an important part of our Christian walk? Right? It's a pretty big deal. And on a similar playing field with how to be forgiven, there's two things God chose here. How to be forgiven and how to receive an inheritance or your blessings. That's a big deal. Right? Now, I, 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 I'm just going to go out on a limb for a moment. I think that God, being omnipotent and all-knowing and, and being able to see what the church would be like in the future, I believe that God knew that two of the major things that believers would need to be convinced of is that they can be forgiven. Does anybody believe that we can be forgiven and have been forgiven? All right, I'm in the right church. And they need to be convinced that there's an inheritance waiting for them. Which means that the blessings and the promises and the inheritance of heaven is available to you and I. But, like it says here, we need to be taught and we need to understand how to apprehend those things. And the problem is that when we see this topic or this, this particular part of Scripture, we have seen evangelists and people on television and people all over the earth that have abused the idea of, I'm going to teach people how to receive their inheritance, and it usually looks like you giving them something. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? I have a guy I follow on Facebook. You're not going to be able to figure out who it is, so don't even try. But, like, I'm watching him preach, and it's great because he's super fiery and all that, and it's wonderful. But what's coming out of his mouth is total crap. Can I say that? Crap. It's nonsense. Because all it is is these sweeping generalizations of what God's going to do for you. But there's no practical, like, help on how. Like, I saw this one, this one he was preaching. He's like, you're going to come out. You're going to come out. You're going to come out with your anointing. You're going to come out of the darkness. You're going to come out. When? Just send me 99.99. You're going to come out. I want to say, that lying spirit needs to come out of you. You're going to be blessed. God's promises are going to be fulfilled in your life. When? Can we be real? Can we be real tonight? Has anybody ever said, when? 
I have. And they get up there and people go berserk and they're running the aisles and all that. And they leave there and not one of them see a blessing of God come true in their life. I want my money back. I sent you $99.99. You said I was going to come out and I'm more depressed than I ever been. Oh, brother, just have faith. It's okay. It's going to happen. And I'm $99 less money in my bank account than when I started. Come on, am I, am I just stepping on somebody's toes? Is that why y'all are looking at me like that? Are you all televangelists? Is that what's happening here? Did I get in a room full of televangelists? I, I used to get these things, and it said it had a cutout of the preacher's hand. And then they sent me some oil to put on the cutout of the preacher's hand and to slap that hand on my head and as if he was praying for me. But the only way to activate that oil on that hand was to send him 77.77. So you know what I did. I threw, no, I did it. I tried it. But he was right. It didn't work. I didn't send the 77.77. And I ended up with a greasy head. It doesn't work that way. You don't get the right twist, the right person, the right prayer, the right this, the right seed sown over here, whatever, whatever, whatever. Every blessing God, God, every dream, every promise God gives you is going to require you to participate. And anyone who tells you otherwise is trying to get your pocketbook. Are you with me? So teaching people how to be forgiven and how to receive blessings. John 16, 24 says this, until now you have not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. When I read this, I'm like, Lord, I've asked you for some things and it hasn't happened. Why? Anybody in that boat? James 1:17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Some people say, well, I need to know, I need to qualify and make sure I'm asking for the right things. If it's good, it's God. If you're asking for another wife and you're married, it's probably not going to happen. All right? Not only that, but why would you want to do that? Right? All the men are like, I'm not shaking my head. You're, you're trapping me. I am. I'm trapping you. You're right. Every good and perfect, in other words, if it's a gift and it's good, then it's God. So you can ask for it. Right? If it's a gift and it's good, it's God, so you can ask for it. But why have I asked for things and it hasn't happened? That's why, that's what I want to know. Why is it? Why is it that I don't seem to acquire sometimes or see things happen in my life that I've believed God for. And for heaven's sakes, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to have like extra access. I'm supposed to have a fast pass. I put up with all your people, God. Where's the fast pass? I want to go to the front of the line. So why does this happen to me? Today taught me an important lesson. Sometimes we're not in the position to receive the blessings of God because we get out in front of him. We move on to the next thing when God wants to bless us where we're at. We oftentimes, in our own ability, without hearing the voice of God, do things 
that take us out of position to receive the blessings of God for our life. Now, some of the greatest bloopers in sports history happen because people were out of position. See, you can run down the field. That quarterback can throw the perfect pass. But if you didn't run that pattern and end up where you were supposed to in position, the whole thing goes from the winning touchdown pass for you to win the Super Bowl to a complete and utter disaster. And then you end up on a list like this. That's Mike Tyson. Oh my. The sound of the champ hitting the floor is actually worse for me than watching the fall itself. And he wasn't the only one who had trouble with a hoverboard over the holidays. National second baseman Dan Ugla took a little bit of a spill of his own while playing with his board over Christmas. Now, both were absolutely hilarious because nobody was injured, as is the case in our top 10 bloopers of 2015. Practice all those throws. Uh oh. Yeah. Now we've got on a fourth down and three. How do you think this is going to work? You've got Griff Whalen ready to take the snap. He'll snap it actually. Colt Anderson is behind him. Good one, Colts. Good one. Any Colts fans in here? Should be ashamed. There is absolutely no way possible that they should have snapped that ball and tried to sneak it. There were three, four, five guys around two players. That was insane. What was the play? Well to left field. And Alex Rios has his second home run of the trip. Josh Tomlin gives up his 11th home run of the year. Speaking of mistakes, that man right there that's sitting up there controlling the fireworks, he just made one and he's getting booed. He's putting his dunce cap on now. The away team went over to the home run. It's and the home run. team they lit off the fireworks. Genius. First and goal. They make the fly sweep. He'll throw. And incomplete. Corey Watman and Matthew Rea fighting over the same football. Here's the steal. Hold on. Hold that thought. Hollis Jefferson. Oh! Slipped and fell. That ain't funny. <laughs> that is not funny. Where is that ball, boy? It is Friday the 13th, isn't it? Off the steal. He's going to jam it. Like he's, he's going to. No. Oh, I know. It's brutal. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. Yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can. If you go, you see his face, and you know no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. Popped him up. Shallow right. Cash throws. Not going to tell us. Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win. The Cubs won. Freaking believable. Both collided apparently with a photographer. This is not good. As all of Jamaica hold oh, that collective yes. breath. Down goes Bolt. I don't know what happened though. Like, oh, he went on the side. Oh, took me out like, bro. 
<laughs> it's just one of those things that accidents happen. Down towards the last Merrion Square, wandering around, and looking on Chip the Rider. Oh, and Lewis Ferguson takes a horrible fall. Lewis Ferguson is sitting up, hopefully only shaken after a spectacular exit at the last. Hopefully he is okay. The horse gallops away okay. Second division soccer, Leonardo Kutras injured, so they try to stretch him off, but it, it does not go well. Down he goes. All right, pick him back up. Little plumber butt, let's move on. No, I'm down again. What are you doing to me, says Kutras. Lift him up again. Watch they how they put him, him down. To the, to the touchline, and then just boom, just drop him again. Near side guy, he's feeling the burn. She llegó al cuerpo del arquero sin ningún problema. Era para cualquiera de los dos perfiles, creo que era Chogán. Atención, gol. Gol. This one going viral. Yeah. Come on, man. That's using your face. If that happens to me, I would just leave. <laughs> Take off all my equipment and never come back. Watch how he just kind of runs into the oh. runs into the locker room after. Come on, anyone identify with any of these things? Has have you ever felt like you were just like on your way to greatness? and seeing the promise of God fulfilled, and then something like that happens. Anybody? You know, it, this is life. And so much of it is not necessarily about you, you know, you dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. Sometimes it's just a matter of being positioned where God's called you to be positioned so that he can bless you where you're at. I'm going to tell you one story. I'm going to read one story from Acts chapter 9. And then the last scripture I'll put on the screen here in a moment. It says this. You can just bring this down a little bit down because it's feeding back. I'll, I'll talk louder. Saul, who of course we know became Paul, spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Hasn't he come down here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. I want you to notice that Paul goes to Damascus, and in Damascus, they want to kill him. Amen? We see this here? Then Paul decides... He learns of their plan. Verse 25, his followers took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall, and he went to Jerusalem. Another one of his great ideas. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him in, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus so Saul stayed with him and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Sounds like it's going great, Saul. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him too. He's two for two. Two stops that were not where God had wanted him to be positioned. And two times he's escaping and running for his life because the people there want to kill him. 
Now, I want to show you what happens when Paul finally ends up in the spot where God had actually positioned him to be. Look at this. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then, everybody say then with me. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Same man, same message, same mission, three different places. He goes from, we're going to kill you, to we're going to kill you, to then the church spread throughout all this area as a result of his obedience and increased in numbers. I mean, we have to see this and look at this and, and, and believe the statement that I had on the screen there a moment ago, which is that our position, the place that we are, actually does matter. People are like, does this mean my geographic location? Does this mean I move jobs? Does this mean I blah, 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 blah? Not necessarily. Sometimes it's just the position of your heart. Sometimes it's just staying in a place where, where your heart doesn't move past what God has promised you he's going to do. You don't move on to the next thing. And you allow your hope and your faith to remain where it belongs, and that is in the one who promised it in the first place. Sometimes, folks, I've seen people that have come, that have planted their life, that have said, I'm going to... I'm going to be in this church. I'm going to be in this job. I'm going to be in this whatever because I have an opportunity. They see the gift and potential in me. I have an opportunity to grow, to soar, etc. And if it doesn't happen in the timetable that God, or that they feel like should happen, God's timetable looks a little bit different. They move on and they start all over again. See, I've seen it a bunch. See, we have to stay in the position and the place that God wants us. We have to, our heart needs to be positioned and stay in that place where we can receive from God. Look at the scripture. Then, then it happened. What was the difference? What was the difference? Same crew, same posse, same guy, same story, same message in the same general region, kill, kill, we're going to come after you, we're going to get you. He finally gets where God wants him, in position where he wants him, and God blesses him. It's the only difference. I wrote this scripture down in Proverbs, I'm going to close with this. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will go unpunished. A faithful person will be richly blessed. In other words, you have two people One's faithful. One is continuing to, 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 to put their faith and their trust in the, in the God and the God of the promise. And one decides that whatever comes my way, I'm going to jump on. I'm going to be quick. I'm going to whatever. This looks better over here. I'm going to jump over here. This looks better over here. I'm going to jump over here. I got news for you. I'm going to give you some real good practical advice. Some of you guys, girls that are here that maybe are having trouble finding a job that pays you enough to make a living wage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Find a place where you have the potential to make more money. I don't even care if you have to start lower than where you're at. Where, where they believe in your potential and stay there and serve. I, I joked around with somebody earlier. I said uh, a couple days ago, I said, 
I can take any person and in a half an hour sitting down with them, make them go find a job making more money than they're making now. Yes. But you have to tithe to this church. All right. I can. It's real simple. I said, I told him, I said, you guys want the key? You want the key? I'm going to give you the key right now. You want the key to beat out anybody in any job interview? You want the key? Nobody wants the key. You don't believe I have the key, do you? I got it somewhere. I got it. You ready for it? Anybody need a job right now? Be honest with me. All right, good. Got a couple people here. This is how you do it. You go into a job interview. First of all, dress like you belong there, okay? I don't care if you even have to steal somebody's clothes. Just do it. Borrow it for an hour. You walk in there, and if the person is a manager there, you tell that manager how many different ways you're going to make their life easier. Because if you manage a place, you just want to do less work. If you're not getting paid on how much they bring in, you get paid the same amount of money no matter what. I want to get, I'm going to make the same amount of money no matter if I hire you or not. Just make my life easier. And if you're getting interviewed by the owner and they're not the manager, tell them how much money you're going to save them or make them. And then stay there and keep doing it and reminding them, remember when you hired me and I said I was going to save you the X amount of money or I was going to start making this much more money for you because I was going to work that hard? It's happening. Cut me in on it. That's it. That's the, that's the key to success in your career. That's it. You want to be successful? And you, if you're not deciding to start your own business, like Alan Dupree back there, the tree man. Alan, I was so offended at your shirt, and yet at the same time, I love it so much. He's a tree man, and he has a picture of a chainsaw and a stump, and it says, don't worry, I hugged it first. <laughs> I am both, the environmental part of me is offended, but the rest of me thinks you're hilarious, okay? That's it. The key, the key, to, I'm giving you that as a practical example because I want you to see that your position and staying put and doing what God's called you to do and remaining faithful and keeping your heart position will improve your life in so many different areas. Some of us have dated people that might have been the right person for us. We have one bad, you know, they just don't, they don't brush their hair the way we think they're supposed to or they don't put the seat down the way we think they're supposed to or whatever it is. There's one quirk about them, and maybe it's the mate that God's brought into our life or an opportunity for us to be happy and have relationship. And because we're so ready to jump ship, we're gone. Almost every area of our life you can apply this. You with me? Faithful person will be richly blessed. One eager to get rich will not go unpunished. 1 Corinthians 10.10 says this. It says, And do not grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. Boy, that's motivation. And, wait, let me read that again. And do not grumble. I just want to make sure I didn't make this up. As some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. The position of your heart And where you put yourself and allow yourself to receive from God. I'm telling you, church, it makes a difference in seeing the promises of God fulfilled in your life. It makes 
a difference. Change your outlook and perspective and attitude and position your heart to receive from God. And it will make a difference. You could be the same person, the same promises, or the same ideas, and the same message in your heart with everything the same and just simply changing your position or being in the right position and hearing the voice of God will change the outcome of you in that place. 